Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 21st episode of Late Night Crimecast. I'm your host, Robin Steffens, and every week on Thursday, I'm going to post a new true crime story. I will cover cases that are local, cases that got a lot of media attention, and everything in between. Before we get started, I would like to ask you, my late night listener, to leave a rating and review on this podcast. They are always helpful, a lot more than you would think, so I'd like to thank you in advance for that. And so yeah, with that being said, let's jump right into today's case. I don't want to lay all the details out just yet, but as we go through this case, there will be so many instances in which you will be thinking or yelling that there was just so much more that could have been done to prevent this. And don't worry, I understand. I was at that point several times while researching this case as well. So if you have not heard of this case that I'm talking about today and you don't know the details, you will likely leave this feeling like there were just so many warning signs. But I've already said too much. Let's just get into it. Today, we will be discussing the case of Lauren McCluskey. Lauren Jennifer McCluskey was born on February 12, 1997, to her parents, Jill and Matthew McCluskey. At the time of her birth, the family was living in Berkeley, California. But soon after, around August of 1998, the family decided to pick up and move to Pullman, Washington, where both of the parents were professors at Washington State University. Now, from an early age, Lauren had displayed unbelievable talent. She was a bright and athletic young girl with a great future ahead of her. At just eight years old, she had entered her first Junior Olympic Association track meet. And this girl, she set records in several categories, high jump, long jump, the 400 meter run. When she was just nine years old, she qualified for nationals in the nine to 10 age group. She continued to compete nationally in high jump, hurdles and multi events and this earned her USA Track and Field All-American 19 times and allowed her to set many records. But she didn't stop there, of course. As she got older, she continued to set her path. As a high school freshman, she went to Washington State High School where she was a champion in high jump and second in 100 meter hurdles. She spent her junior year training at Spire in Ohio, which is basically this institution dedicated to track and field. It's there not only to help those like Lauren become the best at their practice, but also a place that would host the top championship meets in the country. So she spent some time there being the top competitor that she was. And after that, she went to attend Andrews Osborne Academy, which was in Ohio as well. And that school is a private school also dedicated to athletics. So she did that her junior year. And then she returned back to Pullman, Washington for her senior year of high school, still focusing on athletics. At the 2015 Washington State High School meet, she qualified in four events, scoring in three, helping her team place third overall in the state. She set the Pullman high record for the 100 meter hurdles, and she placed ninth at the U.S. Junior Championships 
in the heptathlon that year. And you know, she had so many other talents outside of her athletics. She was a strong singer, she did stand-up comedy, loved to dance, and she was a great writer. She was an extremely smart and well-rounded girl. Outside of all of that, she enjoyed giving her time to help animals. She had her own pets, but she could also be found volunteering at the Humane Society. And I mean, I don't know how she found time, but this girl, she had quite the impressive resume. And she would eventually take her talents to the University of Utah on a Division I athletic scholarship. There, she would continue to be a great student and athlete. Still very much involved with everything she loved, including track, she held a super impressive GPA of 3.75 by her senior year in her communications major. And prior to her murder, she was scheduled to graduate in May 2019. She had a plan and was actually really looking forward to graduating and finding a job in public relations or academic advising. But unfortunately for this accomplished young woman, there would be a series of events that would eventually lead to the end of her life. It was September 2nd of 2018 that Lauren met a man named Melvin Sean Rowland at a local bar. He was actually working at the bar as a bouncer and I guess they soon became attracted to each other and decided to begin a relationship. Now, I don't know the nitty gritty of the relationship, but Lauren did not actually know the real Rowland. He told her that he was 28 years old and working at the club while also pursuing a degree in computer science. So, I mean, she probably thought he was a completely different person than he actually was. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let me backtrack a bit. They started dating, and he would visit her at her resident hall on campus nearly every day. He even built friendships with other students who lived in the building as well. And as their relationship progressed, they got close fast. He would always spend the night, he would take her out, buy her roses, you know, get her expensive dinners, they would always be hanging out. It was kind of a whirlwind romance. That was until October 9th, 2018. Just over a month after the relationship began, Lauren would find out information about Roland that would change her life forever. Lauren started to get suspicious of him as his behavior started changing very early into the relationship. So she did a little research on him and found out that he was not who he said he was. He lied about his real identity, including his actual age, which he was 37 years old, and the fact that he was a registered sex offender with a serious criminal history. I mean, he had been in jail for 10 years and he had really been released basically months, within months after, you know, meeting Lauren. So he was still on parole. And all of this stuff I'm sure came as a shock to Lauren because she had been dating who she thought was a completely different person. So of course she decided to end the relationship. She invited Roland to her dorm and confronted him with all the information she had found. 
and he surprisingly admitted to his sex offender status, but he denied the age difference, which, by the way, he was still lying about. But yeah, she wasn't convinced, and she told him that she was ending the relationship. He still, for whatever reason, spent the night in her room and borrowed her car the following day to run errands. So, you know, Lauren, she's really close with her parents, and of course she's telling them everything that has happened in real time. And so, I'm guessing because Roland took her car, something I'm sure he's probably done before, but he didn't return it immediately, and they're broken up, so of course the next day, October 10th, Lauren's mom, Jill McCluskey, makes contact with campus dispatch around 3 p.m. and requests that campus security escorts her daughter to retrieve her vehicle from her ex-boyfriend. Here's the audio. So, so, okay, so let me tell you just a little bit more. Um, so he was lying to her, okay. and he's actually a sexual offender. Okay. And and um and lied about his age and things like that. Okay. And then he has her he has her car and he wants her to return he one of his friends wants her to return the car to the stadium parking lot at five o'clock. And since it's um since it's fall break, a bunch of her friends aren't aren't there, so I'm worried she's gonna go there alone and someone's gonna hurt her. Now guys, I just want to mention that I'm going to be adding quite a bit of audio clips. I feel like it's important to add because you can really understand more what was going on for Lauren at that time. So after Lauren's mom made that call, the campus police contact Lauren and she initially doesn't want their help. The operator who spoke to Lauren was actually really nice and almost insistent that Lauren let them help her. But Lauren stated that Roland was just going to drop the vehicle at her apartment and she was fine with that. The campus dispatcher told Lauren she would have security officers near the building still just in case and asked her to call back if the situation changed. And the dispatcher, even when talking to the security officer, she was very adamant that he be there just to make sure Lauren was okay. So that same day around 5pm, Lauren actually called back and stated that things did change and that her car was being dropped off at a parking lot on campus and that she needed a ride to pick it up. So a security officer responded and gave Lauren a ride to pick up her car. She successfully gets her car and, you know, goes on about her business. The next day, Lauren starts to get a bunch of mysterious texts from a number she doesn't recognize. These texts are saying that she made Roland commit suicide, it's all her fault, she needs to kill herself, just really nasty things. And it seemed to Lauren as if the texts were also trying to get her to meet someplace. So very weird, right? At first it was unclear if this was Roland, his friends, or a combination of both. But later it would be found out that the texts were actually Roland just spoofing his numbers to contact Lauren. Regardless, Lauren knew the texts were a lie because she was able to look at his social media see that some of the texts were coming from his phone, and she was just basically able to tell that he was fine. So at that point, she was a lot more worried about her own well-being. The text continued, and after a day, she had enough of it. So on October 12th, Lauren contacted the campus police once again to report having received suspicious messages that she believed were from friends of her ex-boyfriend, 
or her ex-boyfriend himself. The reporting officer asked Lauren if she felt threatened by the text, and Lauren said that she didn't, but she told them basically about the nature of the text and how she felt that they were trying to lure her somewhere. So the officer just told her basically not to go anywhere that makes her uncomfortable and to call back if she received additional messages. And not too long after, she of course begins to receive more texts. This time, they are worse and actually threatening. They are demanding money in exchange for not posting inappropriate pictures of her and Roland online. So on October 13th, around 9.22 a.m., Lauren contacts the campus police to report receiving additional messages she believes were from Roland or his friends. University of Police and Security, how can I help you? Hi, so I'm uh, dealing with a situation um, where I'm being blackmailed for money. Um, it's so a, a photo of my me and my ex. They're um, threatening to to send it out to everyone, mm -hmm. um, and and she's asking for a thousand dollars. She tells them the nature of the text once again, and unfortunately, Lauren states that she has already given in to some of their requests. She states that she sent $1,000 to an account as demanded in hopes of keeping the photos private. Now, things are getting a bit more serious. A report is taken, Roland's criminal history is pulled, and the case is assigned to a detective. At this point, they're looking towards possible sexual extortion charges. A week after that report, on October 19th, the actual investigation begins. A detective contacts Lauren to gather information about the extortion in order to identify all suspects possibly involved and to seek an arrest warrant for Roland and anyone else who might be involved. So here's where things get rocky. I mean, there is an investigation going on but you would think that they would know who they're looking for and maybe be looking out for him. I say this because between October 19th and October 22nd, there were security video footage found showing that Roland was on campus. I mean, this is during the time that an investigation is going on against him and Lauren is still receiving text messages. He's not a student, so I wish people were made aware that he was possibly a dangerous individual and maybe sent out a picture or a description out. I mean, I guess he wasn't actually threatening physical harm, and it's easy to say all of these things after the fact, but still, it's so crazy to me. I just feel like much more could have been done to protect this girl who was clearly being harassed by her ex-boyfriend who had a serious criminal history, like sexual assault is nothing to really, you know, joke about. That's like really high up there, right next to murder. So it just baffles me that they were taking this so lightly. So now it's October 22nd. Lauren receives a text from a number claiming to be Deputy Chief Rick McLennan requesting that she come to the police station. Clearly, this was Roland trying to get her to leave her room, clearly trying to lure her somewhere, and she did not fall for it. Around 10.39 a.m. that day, 
Lauren emails police to report this. I'm unsure of what was actually done or if anyone even saw this email, but you know, no one knows until after the fact that on that same day between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m., Rowan was on campus and actually spent the afternoon waiting for Lauren with some of her friends in a residence hall. And I mean, I doubt that her friends knew what was going on. I doubt they knew the severity of the situation if they did. But that's why I feel like, you know, they should have known. Like, it should have been spread around campus, some information about him and something to keep him off of campus because I feel like if students knew, if her friends knew, and they were warned, this could have been prevented. October 22nd, 8.20 p.m. While Lauren is on the phone with her mom, just having their normal everyday conversation, Roland confronts her in the parking lot outside of her residence hall. He goes to grab her and in the altercation, Lauren drops her cell phone and belongings. But Lauren's mom can still hear Lauren screaming. She's screaming, no, 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 no. And during this time, Roland takes Lauren to a different spot in the parking lot and he forces her into the backseat of a car he had driven to campus. He then shoots Lauren multiple times. That same night, around 8.23 p.m., Campus Dispatch receives a call from Matt McCluskey, Lauren's father. He gives detail of what was heard on the other line of the phone call between Lauren and her mother. He fears that his daughter's life is in danger and wants police to respond immediately. Hi. Okay, you're on the phone with the dispatch for the University of Utah. Hi, this is, Hi, this is Chris with the University of Utah Police. Hi, my daughter, Lauren McCluskey, uh, was talking to her mom, and then she just started saying, no, 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 and it sounded like someone might have been grabbing her or something. Okay. How long ago was this? This was just two, uh, two minutes ago. Okay. And you said the phone line went dead? Yeah, the phone line went dead. Okay, have you tried calling her back? No, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the phone is not dead, but, but we can't, um, her, she must have dropped it and the phone connection is still here. Sure. She has broken up with a boy, okay. a man, um, recently, and um, he's a pretty tall black guy, Sean Fields is his name. Okay, has he made any threats or anything like that? Um, her, his friends were kind of harassing her a little bit. Well, they, they were. The campus police were involved with that. Yes. Okay, I actually, I have an officer right here that dealt with that. Let me talk to him for one second. I'll be right back on with you. Just 10 minutes later, police respond to the parking lot and locate Lauren's belongings on the ground. They soon begin searching her dorm, the surrounding area, and the parking lot. During this time, Roland is picked up by a woman he met on a dating site. He tells her that he had just finished a workout at the U, so she agrees to pick him up. They go out together to dinner at a local restaurant, they drive to the state capitol, and then they go to her home where Roland takes a shower. She later drops him off at a coffee shop downtown. During this time, and after over an hour of searching the parking lot, 
police discover Lauren's body in the backseat of a car. When Lauren's body is found, an alert is sent campus-wide that there had been a shooting on campus. They soon send another alert with suspect information. Information is put out on the news about the shooting and luck have it that the girl who picked Roland up from the college actually sees the news report about the shooting, recognizes the photos of Roland, and contacts police. At around midnight, they lift the alert after determining that Roland is no longer on campus. On October 23rd, at 12.46 a.m., police are able to locate Roland and they pursue him on foot. The pursuit leads them to a church, and as police enter the church, Roland shoots himself. guys so the story kind of ends there i feel like after lauren's murder the university was made out to be the villains in a way like they didn't help her and i do see that side of things like there were things i thought could have been done but in all reality he was making no violent threats towards lauren there isn't much police can do without some real evidence to follow and much less campus police you know I think it's very sad that this happened and it could have been prevented in so many different ways, but that's all in hindsight. I actually think that throughout the calls that I listened to and all the stories I've read, I think that the campus police actually handled things pretty well. Actually, the campus dispatch, I feel like they were really, really wanting and willing to help. So I find it kind of sad that they're kind of being made out to be the villains in this story when they actually did a lot to help but yeah that's just my my insight on this case i'll link all the uh calls down below it's really interesting if you guys listen through the calls it is like an hour-long video but it actually gives you extra information that i might not have shared but thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast tonight i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope it makes your quarantine days easier Thank you guys so much for listening and don't forget to tune in next week. Bye.